0: My grandpappy, grandpappy used to say, there ain't no fool like a smart fool. My other grandpappy used to say,
1: there's no one quite as stupid as an educated idiot. I don't mean to call names. Uh, I hope to describe behaviors, but listen to this guy From the Cato Institute.
2: The fetish for manufacturing is part of the general fetish for keeping white males of low education um, outside the cities in the powerful positions they're in in the U.S. Um, Displacements on large scales would happen when technology or trade broke through, like all the secretaries who got replaced by personal computers and other forms of office animation. Uh, Excuse me, not animation, automation, excuse me. Um, and these kinds of churn, as the economists put it, never were decried. They never got political attention. They never got much notice. But when it started being the white male manufacturing people in the so-called heartland, which by definition was not urban,
0: um, then suddenly this was a crisis. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Let's talk about the stupidity of brilliance. The Todd
2: Herman Show is 100% disapproved by big pharma, technocrats, and tyrants everywhere. Now, from the high mountains of free America, here's the Emerald City Exile, Todd Herman.
1: Today is the day the Lord has made, and these are the times through which God has decided we shall live. I deeply appreciate you being part of the podcast family and folks who help us create a larger audience for the show by sharing it with the podcast app, Share, Function. It's an easy way to do it. We appreciate you. Any way that you share the show, we appreciate it. The Stupidity of Brilliance this is something that I ponder a lot because I admit that I have um, I have an "ist, you know, racism, I have an ism. I, I think I suffer from how would I put this?
0: Ah, uh, normalism. Normalism. I, I, I think that I have this
1: inability to believe that smart people can be stupid or can act stupidly. Well, I mean, we can all make mistakes, you know, forgetting your plane tickets back when they had to be paper. That's a stupid thing. It's, it's absent-minded. Responding in anger to someone, you know, popping off, that's lack of emotional control. It, it you know, can be seen as stupidity. And anybody can, you know, make a rounding error and very brilliant people can make mistakes. One of my favorite ones I share all the time because it's hilarious is Windows. No, was it? No, it was um, Microsoft, their, their first networking thing. What was that? NT? Now I forget. See, stupidity. They forgot to put print drivers in it. It was for the enterprise. It was for business. They shipped this brand new SKU of Windows, which was a professional SKU. And I think it was called NT. Wasn't it called NT? And it went out to all these businesses and no printers worked. <laughs> because they forgot to put the print
0: drivers in it. But that's an, that's, that's an aberration. It's, it's, it doesn't happen a lot. It's not a pattern. It's... Very difficult for me to believe that super smart people can become utterly, utterly befuddled and stupid. And yet, as I become more
1: familiar with the word of God and become further discipled, (laughs) I read very simple statements like Proverbs 3, verse 7. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. (laughs) That's pretty simple.
0: That's pretty simple. You know, what's the old saying about don't date women who cheat and chew? And you know what? No, don't cheat and don't chew and don't date women who do. Pretty solid life advice. This guy from the Cato Institute's not alone. There's Daddy Bloomberg. There's so-called Dr. Jaw. And if we look at this and study it, they all have developed this astonishing stupidity
1: stupidity for the same reason. It all goes back to a core, a core mistake. And once you know it, we can trace it way back in time. Wait until you hear this full statement from this guy from Cato. And then Daddy Bloomberg in comparison to smoking and sodas. But what about gas prices? What about that? We look at the stupidity of brilliance. Oh, man, our friends at Bonefrog Coffee, they've got something pretty cool going on. They're, they're starting to run TV ads. And my friend, Russ Simber, who works at a company called Major Creative, uh, Major Creative Community, or no, Major Creative Marketing? They're my friends, and so I forget the name of the company. Uh, he's voicing the ads. Russ has the most beautiful voice. Really, really creative guy. So there's a growth path for Bone Frog Coffee coming. You guys have helped make this possible. So number one, let me just start with this from Tim Krukshank, the founder of Bonefrog Coffee, a 25 year Navy veteran and Navy Seal. Um, thank you. This is from him. Thank you to the Todd Herman show audience. And I don't necessarily agree with this part, but this is Tim. Todd is the voice we need in this generation and we're honored to be aligned with him and to work with him. Hashtag God country team. Well, it's not my voice that this generation needs. It's, it's the voice of God. And if a broken glass of stupid clay pot like me can be used by God to help his voice and his, his word get through, so be it. That's, that's, that's fine. That's in fact an honor. But Tim wants you to know how thankful he is for building a base, for being the support that allowed us to get to this point. If you haven't yet tried Bone Frog Coffee, join God Country Team. I mean, you're already joining God. Tim is not God. Tim, you're not God. You might be a Navy SEAL, but you ain't God, brother. Join this team by trying the coffee at bonefrog.us. And I've been thinking a lot about this. When you try the coffee, I invite you to think about value versus price. Value versus price. The coffee is going to cost a little bit more than that mass-produced stuff at Costco or Maverick drive throughs But... What you're getting in it is the value of culture, the value of God, country, team, and in my judgment, far superior coffee because it's made in small batches. It's made with love and because to this day, the founder and CEO, Tim, is involved in every single tasting session. Get in while you can at the beginning of this. It's bonefrog.us. You get a 5% discount on subscriptions there. That's a lock. You get that forever. Bonefrog.us. It begins with myopia and inability to see things other than just one thing, just this myopic focus. And so much of the myopic focus, this this is so much of what drives brilliant stupidity. And I think of a friend I had who was a, a brilliant, brilliant engineer. And forgive me if I've told this story before, but it just freaked me out.
0: He was, he had, gosh, his name is Ben, by the way. He had Dr. Ben, PhD. He
1: had something like 29 patents that he was either the chief inventor thereof or one of the primary contributing inventors in software, by the way. He was a genius in human-machine interactions, so how to make it easier to use devices. Brilliant guy. And every single time Dr. Ben came to our office, he got lost. Every time. Every single time. He happened to ride a bike to get around. That was his thing. And, and you know, he put his principles to play. No hypocrite, Dr. Ben. And our office was in Pioneer Square. It's an iconic part of Seattle. <laughs> All you had to do is know it's in Pioneer Square and know it's above this, this iconic antique shop. All you had to say, Ben, We are one block south of Elliott Bay Books. That's all he had to
0: say. And he couldn't do it. Every single time when we had tech meetings, he couldn't get there. And he would text me, or I think back in the day, email me. I'm lost. Where are you? I don't know. What do you see?
1: I see this, and I'm, oh, this is the cross street. Okay, okay. Go north. Remember, we're one block south of Elliott Bay Books. And it was because his mind was soaking up so much else. So many of the things that he was so busy thinking in the loftiness of inventor Ben, Dr. Ben. He couldn't be bothered
0: to figure out how to get around downtown Seattle, where he lived. Now, that's not going to kill anybody. That's not going to cause
1: anybody... Other than annoyance, it's not going to cost anybody's life.
0: This is a guy from the Cato Institute. His name is Adam Posen. He's at a Cato Institute event. He's
1: head of the Peterson Institute. And incidentally, the Peterson Institute, we quoted them last week. They put out some good infographics on taxation and revenues, etc.
0: But they seem to have a fetish. He's going to talk here about a fetish. Okay. And
1: just think in mind as you, as you think about this, think about that statement. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn evil. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Now, I'm not saying what he is doing here is evil. I don't think he's an evil man. I think he absolutely is locked into this myopia because his mind is his source of wisdom.
2: I'm sure I'm going to piss off both left and right, so I apologize. Um, That the fetish for manufacturing is part of the general fetish for keeping white males of low education um, outside the cities in the powerful positions they're in in the U.S. And um, that is really what's going on here. Because when you look at the costs of manufacturing, and Susan Hausman and her co-authors have done a lot, but not of manufacturing of trade. And job displacement and community, Susan Hausman and her co-authors have done a lot of work on this, and I'm sure she'll have a different view than I do. But when I look at the so-called costs of the China shock or the costs of the decline in manufacturing, I always think compared to what? For decades, there was enormous enormous displacement of African-Americans in this economy. Every time there was a recession, African-American unemployment rates shot up much faster and higher than white unemployment rates. Single women were methodically excluded from the workforce, and especially if they became parents, or ghettoed in particular sets of jobs throughout the economy well through the 70s into the 80s. Um, displacements on large scales would happen when technology or trade broke through, like all the secretaries who got replaced by personal computers and other forms of office animation. Uh, excuse me, not animation, automation, excuse me. Um, and these kinds of churn, as the economists put it, never were decried. They never got political attention. They never got much notice. But when it started being the white male manufacturing people in the so-called heartland, which by definition was
1: not urban, um, then suddenly this was a crisis. So smart. Just winding his way through things and conflating one thing that's not related to another and piling it all up into this just glib statement about people's lives. And so-called China shock. The so-called China shock is using slave labor to undercost the production of goods in non-slave labor com- or countries. So let's call that what it is. Stuff is cheap in China because life is cheap. And life is cheap because they are an utterly godless
0: government who sees people as machines that have to eat to keep running. So when we talk about cost versus value, let's think about this cost versus value.
1: Furthermore, as he goes through and addresses some of the ills that have existed in our society. Okay, so in an economic contraction, black people were the first to lose their jobs, he says.
0: Okay, some of that was probably from racism. Okay. The majority of it?
1: uh was there a time in this country where the majority of country of this country was racist? Maybe because there was a time in the world where the majority of people had racist tendencies after that had been fed to them.
0: Prior to that, it was tribalism, languageism, countryism. Okay, maybe, but there was also this dynamic in the country where black people who had become
1: entrepreneurial and begun to started to build success got all sorts of daddy government help. And daddy government help came and said, we're going to put you into college before you're ready for it. We're going to provide monies to black families, but only so long as the dad stays gone. And if the dad's not gone, you don't get the money. And we know that story very, very well. So really what he's saying is in an economic contraction jobs, that weren't absolutely vital to the economy were the first to go. Now, he is not in any way vital to the economy. I am not vital to the economy in any way. I'm
0: an information worker. I'm in the laptop class, just like him. My job's not going to matter when Armageddon comes. No one's hiring talk show hosts in the land of the, of the walking dead. But it's this point that eludes him in his brilliant stupidity. Manufacturing is not word processing, it's not secretarial. Manufacturing relates to that which allows
1: us to live as human beings that require clothes. Animals do not. My friend. my friend and I were, were puzzling over this the other night about, about Kevin and I were having dinner, puzzling over the fact that deer don't seem to care that it's minus 15 degrees outside. <laughs> you come across deer sitting on a hillside, it's minus 15 and they're just, mouths. Well, they don't even know it's cold maybe. I don't know. We, th- we'd be dead. We couldn't last a half an hour in this stuff
0: that animals live in. So we need these clothes. That's manufacturing. Manufacturing relates to
1: shelter. <laughs> it relates to being able to transfer energy from one location to another. That's manufacturing. Yes, you can manufacture all sorts of junk product. You know, ab squeezer. What was that Susan Summers thing that she squeezed her legs together to, to work the inner thigh? What was that called? The, Something
0: squeezer. That was an obscene commercial. Um, he conflates this stuff. And this is the myopia that I'm experiencing with this guy. It's all about what stuff costs. What's the price tag say? Look, I'm wearing a black T-shirt I've had. I don't know, for
1: six years and the only pair of nice jeans I own because my wife bought them for me for my birthday. I went to church this morning and chose to wear the nice jeans. So I, I, I'm not Mr. Fancy Pants, but I'm looking at this guy in the video and what are you wearing, a $9 shirt from Walmart? Okay, fine. You wear a $9 shirt from Walmart, but when you talk about value Is there any value to a country having its own manufacturing base? Well, we're about to find out. The people in France are finding out. There's a lot of of reason to care for value above price. And that guy's myopia, it's this focus on numbers. Well, we I mean, get things out. I mean, um, and we get things out of China. The uh, so-called China shock. Uh, I'm I'm wearing an eight dollar and fifty cents uh, pair of uh, of chinos. Here, let me stand up and show them to you. I these only cost me eight dollars and fifty cents uh, at the, uh, the 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 big-headed, stupid brilliance store. And look, they, it came with a belt. It
0: has its, it's the belt is pre-installed. It's and it's elastic. $8.50. Sometimes you can get them at 7 Yeah, but what's the value?
1: And what's the value of, of, of having a manufacturing base in your own country? What's the value of them stewarding the resources that God gave us in this country on this landmass in a way that provides the dignity of work for others? A good profit for people. So there's an incentive to build and an incentive to sell and an incentive to innovate, but not this race to his
0: myopic focus of price tag is how I view that. And then not to mention the race mongering. You know,
1: anybody who loses a job probably doesn't go home and say, I'm a black guy who lost a job. It's probably I lost my job. But he's not alone in this. My friends, Tom and um Sherry happen to be over in uh, in in France right now. and Tom is sending me these pictures of what is going on in, in in France. And it's a precursor of things to come. And France is finding out as Germany's finding out that oh, that that China shock and that Russia shock, and, you know, not having our own. Base of economic activity in our country, maybe that's not great. Let's say about that in a second. Then we will go from Mike Bloomberg. Yeah, this goes to uh, that value versus cost scenario, value versus price tag scenario. Uh, it goes to the work, to me, of Bulwark Capital Management, knowyourriskradio.com, and my brother and friend Zach Abraham, who's on this show every Friday. Value versus cost. When Zach looks at something. Like electric cars. And he said, Hey, I'm not against an electric car. I might buy one. I just don't think our economy is ready for it. Zach is looking at value. So he's taking the electric car, and he and his analysts and his quants, the super smart
0: mathematicians, they're looking at the guts. What's in that car? What elements need to exist?
1: in order to manufacture that car. What are the base elements? And then Zach's saying, wait a minute, why is it that Tesla's stock is way, way, way up here and now we've got 17 states who've signed this economic suicide pact to force their citizens, if they want new cars, to purchase electric cars by force. So, okay, that drives Tesla's stock way up high. Hey, look, people are going to be forced to purchase their products, and they're the leaders in electric cars. But the guts,
0: (laughs) the copper, the zinc, the titanium, the lithium, that hasn't gone up in value? Well, no wonder people aren't mining more of it. No wonder the physics don't work. We're not going to have enough of this stuff.
1: So, Zach looks at that and says, that's to to Zach a buying opportunity because one day physics catches up to politics and to pose yours like Mike Bloomberg. And at one point, oh, my gosh, we're going to need all these elements. Now, the cost goes up four or five times. Now, you take that scenario and you multiply it by about 10000 and that's how Bulwark Capital Management manages risk. By being real, by not being wise in their own eyes, but looking to physics. God invented physics. Looking to that. Now, if you work at one of the everything's happy or if you put your money in one of the everything's happy, happy and beautiful blue ads and, oh, look, it's all good. Like fidelity, not to bag on them. I used to work with them. I used to have my money there. Well, they're not focused on risk management, and Bulwark Capital Management is. If you're 5 to 10 to 15 years out from retirement, you simply cannot afford to be anywhere but a found a firm that focuses on risk management. Bulwark Capital Management does. Here's how to call them. They're at 866-779-RISK. That's 866-779-RISK. Or go to knowyourriskradio.com. Investment advice cannot be given without a client services agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial LLC and SEC registered investment advisor. Our friends Tom and Sherry are over in. Our friends Tom and Sherry are over in uh, Paris and they're sending us pictures or at least sending me pictures. Tom is by the way, retired air force. And he sent me a picture at night. I've never, I've never seen anything like this since the seventies. This is, this is Tom writing. Hey, as you know, we're in France. We've been seeing some pretty long gas lines the past few days tonight. We had to wait to put gas in our rental car at almost midnight. It was about a 45 minute wait. And this is like a, you know, one of the big toll booths, like at one of the big, big toll booths in, in the East Coast. If you've been there, you know, five stations, 10 stations across, so like getting into a major airport. And there's cars backed up the, the absolute midnight, 45 minutes. Then he sent me a, a shot from this morning. People are pulled over onto the shoulder of the freeway. Waiting to get gas in their cars. Tom says, judging by this line, um, this is probably going to be a 90-minute wait. How about the China shock uh, in Russia? We, we, why should France make their own oil and, and have their own manufacturing? And, and it's white men in the, in the suburbs of France. And, and, and don't, don't be
0: wise in your own eyes. Just look at where did God put your oil? Where is your oil? It's there in your land. Well, you can't afford to employ people in your land to pull out your oil. To care for your community so
1: that you have money to to, to, you. You can give some of God's money back to him. You can't do that. You can't see your way through to valuing a manufacturing base in your own country. So that
0: you have the security, because that's, that's, that's an unwise steward. It's unwise stewardship to not be
1: leveraging in a responsible way the resources within your own land. Rather, oh, no, no. Uh, and, and look, it's, it's, again, it's, it's biblical. God has gifted us with all these resources on this continent. And instead we're saying, no, we prefer to get our oil from Venezuela and Iran. And it's throughout the Bible, there's, there's times where, you know, Israel decides, you know what, let's, let's, why don't we just have Egypt handle our, our affairs for us? Why don't we, uh, hey, you know what, this, this empire over here, they have a bigger army. Let's hire out the armies. Let's, let's hire uh, uh, mercenaries from these other countries. They'll take care of us. They'll, they'll protect us. And okay, so, all right. You know, so some of our soldiers end up worshiping their 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 false gods. Okay, well, that's the price to pay because we don't want the shock, the China shock. We don't want to be biased towards white men in the suburbs.
0: And so you stray. And God's saying, Would you do not like the, the resources I gave you on your continent? Wow.
1: A friend of mine was telling me the other day, and she never did find the meme, but it was a meme of, of, of God, of God observing everybody drinking almond milk and soy milk and saying, what's, what? That's not milk. Why did they drink? Th- I gave them goat milk and cow milk.
0: Why are they? What's, what? what's that? Oh, they don't like the taste. Oh. Or they don't like that it's exploiting animals. Huh.
1: But they're okay with a combine going through a wheat field, killing hundreds of thousands of bugs and, and thousands of mice and rats and moles and voles. Okay. I don't get it. Wise in their own eyes. Mike Bloomberg is perhaps the greatest example of, of being wise in his own eyes and caustic about being wise in his own eyes. And no, this is not the, it's easy to be a farmer. Do you remember that? Do you remember when he said that it's easy to be a farmer, that you just you dig a hole in the ground, drop some seeds, spit on it, cover it with dirt. There you go. You got yourself a, a working farm. This is Bloomberg explaining all the reasons why it's a good idea to, to tax the poor. But he doesn't put it that way, of course. It's not, it's not, it's not taxing the poor. This is part of what he says.
3: So I listen to people saying, oh, we don't want to tax the poor. Well, we want the poor to live longer so that they can get an education and enjoy life. And that's why you do want to do exactly what a lot of people say you don't want to do. (laughs) Do you
1: see him join those things together? So they can get an education and and enjoy life. What if they're enjoying life
0: now? What if they are enjoying a life despite not having an education?
1: What if their focus is not on education, but rather to be fruitful and multiply? What if God spoke into their hearts and said, you know, um, I don't know that college is for you. Why don't you be part of the manufacturing base here? I don't know that college is for you. Maybe the ministry is for you. I don't know the college is for you. Maybe your calling is, in fact, to be a full-time mom, which is a great big job. Maybe that's your calling. Maybe your calling is to break the cycle in your family's history of parents being so focused on worldly affairs that they forget to focus on the home sphere. Maybe that's what God has spoken into people's lives. Maybe their education came in a different way. Maybe they were educated outside of ways that Michael Bloomberg respects or understands, but he joins those things together, get an education, and therefore have a happy life. (laughs) What if their education is, like one friend I have of mine, and I've told you about his dad, his dad died on his tractor. Truly, his dad died on his tractor. His dad used to go out and, I mean, he cared for the land. And he'd get up very, very early and go out and do the work of a farmer. And he had a huge, massive, massive wheat field and he had barley and, and his son got up to go out. He was visiting from college, went out to go, hey, I'm going to go work with dad. He didn't get up quite as early as pop. He'd just
0: flown in. Woke up and why is the combine going in a circle? That's weird. Why is my dad circling in the combine? And he went out, his father had died doing the thing he loved the most in the world. Doctors said he had a massive coronary and was probably dead before he even knew he was hurting. Just probably dead. So my friends had to drop out of college. Well, he didn't, but he chose to. Dropped out after his six months. Went and did what he knew how to do, which was care for that land. And in that process, he expanded the base of what they had. They, they got animals. He developed a cattle ranch. He saw the vegan thing coming. So he started to develop a petting farm, started to work on some plant based products, started to distribute those. He has no education to speak of, high school six months of college.
1: He has offers all the time. Why don't we buy your farmland and, and develop it? No, nah, I like to farm. But you could split these into 10-acre into, you know, lots. You'd be a multi, 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 multi-millionaire. No, nah,
0: I like to farm. Raises his kids. But, but but why don't we just import that stuff from China? I mean, Cato Institute,
1: man, this why don't we just... Import that stuff from China. Why are you doing it? Don't you know that you could push that all down or that you could bring this in and have Warren Buffett come and leverage that land and he'd license it for you? What about those Monsanto seeds? Aren't you using those? Don't you know that Monsanto will give you a bonus at a farm your size, land your size, give you a bonus, and you can go evangelize to your friends and fellow farmers of how great this is and how wonderful it is and how you love it so very, very much? We'll get to the rest of Bloomberg's statement here. Yeah, it goes, to, it goes to this thing that we, you know, the stuff we put in our body. And it goes to this abundance that exists. One of the fantastic observations is you take this, this Proverbs, you know, chapter 3, verse 7. Do not be wise in your own eyes, fear the Lord, and shun evil. Okay, seems really simple do not be wise in your own eyes. Man, I fell into this. I'm so busy that I'm just going to go across the street to the convenience store and I'm going to eat tuna melts and, but I'm going to have a V8 juice because I'm healthy. I'm going to eat the tuna melts um, and macaroni salad. That's pretty healthy. And, oh, wait, there's some broccoli. I'll have some broccoli with that. And when I was doing the internet radio thing, that was, my, that was very commonly my meal. Sometimes it would be the turkey melt or the um, roast beef and au jus. None of this is bad. Every single day, multiple times a day, with no physical activity to speak of, it's bad. And conning yourself as bad, it was my own wisdom. Well, I am very, very busy and being busy, you know what? I start to, uh, my energy starts to get sapped late in the afternoon. So the coffee isn't enough. You know what I need is I just need a little bit of sugar. So I'll have me a uh, Dr. Pepper and go over to the convenience store and pop over and get something else just quick. And it was my own wisdom. And then when I realized that uh, the, the big and tall store ain't enough no, no, you know what it was for me? Oh, <laughs> It was that Sears uh, down on First Avenue in Seattle, they, they had an ultra big and tall
0: section. Oh, baby, that's me. Yeah, no limits on the belts size. One of my wake-up calls. Hey, the, the food that God has provided
1: us is the thing that sustains us, and so do weight loss, SOTAweightloss.com. Not only will they help you shed that fat that has placed itself around your middle wherever and it's uncomfortable and you don't sleep well and you can't smell well and it causes you to snore often. Not only that, they'll get you back to where you are feasting and sustaining yourself on the foods the way God designed it. It's such a joy. When you can enjoy the simplicity, not being wise in your own eyes, but enjoy the simplicity of a super well-grilled steak, just salt and pepper, forget that garlic, or a salmon steak. The other day, I had a chili. I, 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 I don't know when the last time was I had an enormously incredible chili five ingredients. I asked the lady what's in this. It was like five ingredients. It's sodoweightloss.com. S O T A weightloss.com stands for state of the art. So here's the all here's here's the full thing from Bloomberg. And when we listen to this, just just think Papa Bloomberg. So uh, if you want
3: to get kids to stop smoking, raise cigarette taxes and the more you raise them, the less they smoke. Now, some people say, well, taxes are regressive, but in this case yes they are that's the good thing about them because the problem is in people that don't have a lot of money and so higher taxes should have a bigger impact on their behavior and how they deal with themselves so i listen to people saying oh we don't want to tax the poor well we want the poor to live longer so that they can get an education and enjoy life and that's what why you do want to do exactly what a lot of people say you don't want to do. The question is, do you want to pander to those people or do you want to get them to live longer? And there's just no question. If you raise taxes on full sugary drinks, for example, they will drink less. And there's just no question that full sugar drinks are one of the major contributors to obesity and obesity is one of the major contributors to heart disease and cancer and a variety of other things. Mm. So it's like saying, I don't want to stop using coal because coal miners will go out of work. Well, uh, we'll lose their jobs. We have a lot of soldiers in the United States and the U.S. Army But we don't want to go start a war just to give them something to do. And that's exactly what you're saying when you say, well, let's keep coal killing people because we don't want coal miners to lose their jobs. The truth of the matter is there aren't very many coal miners left anyways, and we can find other things for them to do. But the comparison is a life or a job or taxes or life. Which do you want to do? Take your poison. So it's regressive. It is good. There are lots of tax experts in the room and fiscal experts. And I'm very pleased that they hear you say that. And they all say
1: the two things in life which are absolutely certain. One is death. The other one is tax. So you use one to defer the other one. That's correct. OK,
3: that is exactly I I right. It. Well said. Yes,
1: yeah. yes. Golf clap. Golf clap. Oh, yeah. Golf clap, everybody. Uh, just just
0: just to break this down. We we can find other things for them to do. <laughs> we can. No one can like being a coal miner. No one can possibly enjoy being a coal miner. How could
1: you ever enjoy being a coal miner? How could you ever enjoy going down into a hole all day And hammering at the walls of a cave until the rocks fall off and you're able to then process them or being in the processing line or being the guy that runs the elevator or being
0: the safety guy or being the runner. I don't know the coal mining business. I'm making that all up. And yet people like it. We are gifted in all sorts of different ways. The
1: Lord has gifted us with people who like that. There are people who do it because they have to and they hate it. And guess what? There's people who are accountants and they hate it.
0: There are people who are in the end stages of a professional football career and they hate it. Truly. But they're looking at the money. There's people who've won four you know national championships
1: in wrestling. And that fourth year is I have to do this. I have to complete the journey. I hate
0: it, but I got to complete the journey. There's people who call in, who just, just phone in radio performances.
1: Because they've grown lazy and they hate it. But then there's people who, my gosh, every time, every time they look up at that clock and it's it's 857 20, and you know that 907 20. That's when that bumper music rolls, and that's where people are excited to hear from you, and that's when that's, that's when the audience is tuned in, and they get that boom, 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 boom heartbeat. But more to the point about Bloomberg is he said, there's just no doubt that when you raise prices on sugary drinks, people buy less. No, Mike, they don't. You have no idea what it is to be poor. You have no idea what it is when that Pepsi-Cola is the pleasure you have for the day. You have no idea what they do because you're myopic. You have no idea what it is to be poor, and you can't afford a round or six or 60 of golf. And you can't afford a beautiful country club. And you don't want to get addicted to alcohol because you know the poisons of that. So you give yourself a six-pack of Pepsi because it tastes good and the chips taste good. Because it provides you some pleasure in a life where sometimes that stuff is absent. Am I making an argument for sugary drinks? I'm not. I'm making an argument for humanity. And the value to that person of the sugary drink at that point is, this could
0: be my mental health. Now, I wish that wasn't the case. There's also this Mike Bloomberg marketer, Mark, Mike Bloomberg, who literally looks at poor people
1: as zoo animals. We can find other things. Oh, we've got other enrichment activities. Okay, so we don't get to put that big barrel in there with the elephants anymore because one of the elephants tripped and, and broke a leg. That's fine.
0: We'll put a big ball in there. That's another enrichment activity. We can find something. There's this. Marketers push this stuff in such a way that it's not a drink. It's an identity. It's you're part of the team. I'll never forget this
1: happens back in Salt Lake City. When I did radio there, there was a store called Reams Grocery Stores. And I think Reams is still there. And they did this thing where their, their ad campaign and their, their shtick was, Reams, we only,
0: uh, what, said we only, I don't think they used the phrase markup. Oh, we only add 10%. Reams, we only add 10% to the cost. Our profit's only 10%. And people hear that go, wow, only 10%. That's awesome. I'm going to shop at Reams. And they put their
1: stores in sort of at that time neighborhoods that had a lot of poor people in them. So a lot of people who had a lot on their mind like making the paycheck stretch. Some people who may not be horribly mathematically conversant. I'm not, but I know the difference between 1% and 10%. And that's important in a second. And so they put those stores in there. So I went to shop at a Reams. And I, because I wanted to see what this was like. What does it mean that they market up 10%? Is that on the package?
0: Does it say, here's the cost and we've added 10%? Then I started to ask, you, wait, you add 10% to what? So are you saying that your net cost,
1: right, your, to your manufacturer's cost? So if you buy the, the beef jerky at one buck, are you saying that then it's a dollar ten? What are you adding the 10% to? And they wouldn't answer the question. So I went shopping there and I bought this big grocery, this big shopping cart filled with stuff. And there was a lady standing behind me, and I said, Man, that 10% that's that's gonna add up. This has got to be like
0: a $150 in groceries. She goes, Oh, 10% is nothing. That's like a buck fifty. No, 10% of 150 is 15. Are you sure? Yes. And people were doing the math in their head. And they thought they were saving all this money. The average markup in grocery is 1%. It's 1%, not 10%.
1: Grocery is a volume business. It is not, not a markup business. It's volume. The average markup is 1%. And I finally got this Reams executive to call into my show because I started hammering them because I asked a bunch of people at Reams in line. I would make a habit. I was doing this research. Hey, you know, they charge 10% on that. Oh, I know. But that's only like someone had like 30 bucks in their cart. 30 bucks at groceries. You know, they charge 10% on that. Yeah, but that's only 30 cents. No, it's not. And what's the 10% on? I got kicked out of a Reams. I did. They called the police. Because I was asking this manager, okay, so I just bought this beef jerky. You say you had 10%. That's right. Is that reflected in the package? I'm not going to tell you. No, I'm just asking, what's the 10% on? I'm not telling you. Get out of my store. Okay, but just can you answer this question? That's it. I'm calling the cops. And this is when I had hair down my back. And I had, you know, earring and motorcycle boots and red beard and hair down to to the small of my back. He called the police. I stuck around and the cops came up. So what's going on? I said, here's my card. I do a morning show. Hi, officers. Nice to meet you. And one of the cops said, I've heard you. You're nuts. I go, okay. And one of the cops said, wait a minute. Yeah, I've always had questions about this 10%. <laughs> and he starts to ask about the 10%. Yeah, 10% of what? What's the base cost? And now the manager's stuck because now the, now the cop is asking the question. So anyway, I hammered on this on the air long enough And I couldn't believe this. The grandson of the guy who founded Reams called my show from the golf course.
0: And my producer Clyde made certain it was the guy. He came on and I asked him, do you
1: think this 10% thing is a little bit deceptive? And he said, he goes, you know, I didn't until I really heard you like ragging on us. I'm listening. And yeah, you're
0: right. It's deceptive. Really? Yeah, it's deceptive. Are you going to change it? Yeah, we are. We're not going to do this anymore. We're going to put the actual cost of the
1: item. Oh, that was it. That's what they did. They added the 10% at the checkout lane. That's where they added it. So you thought the beef jerky was a buck, and then you get it in your cart. It's a buck ten. Then they put the tax
0: on it. That's how they did it. I forgot that detail. It was deceptive. Did that mean that people stopped buying sugary sodas? No. Sad state of affairs is there are some times where something that you look at, Mike Bloomberg,
1: doesn't mean anything to you. It's a detriment. It might be saving someone's mental health for the day. And by the way, you're not talking about taxing fancy wines, which can also be abused. You're not talking about taxing fancy champagnes. It can also be abused. You're not talking about taxing strip clubs, which are abuse. You're not talking about extra tax on escort services, which are abuse. You have this obsession, and the obsession in his case is the control of poor people. We can find something for them to do. And just compare it to this.
0: Sustainable. What do you say to those families who say,
1: listen, we can't afford to pay four eighty-five 85 a gallon for months, if not years. This is just not sustainable.
3: What we heard from the president today was a clear articulation of the stakes. This is about the future of the liberal world order, and we have to
1: stand firm. That's a Bidenite saying that. Bloomberg's of the same opinion Tax people because of the weather. That's saving our life, too? Oh, we're outsourcing and manufacturing to China, says Cato Institute guide. That's going to save us here because we'll have a different climate than China. Well, to some degree we will, but there's a global climate. Brilliant stupidity, and it comes down to the question I began with. This hobgoblin of my mind. How can smart people be so
0: utterly stupid? How can they make such stupid decisions? They're wise in their own eyes. So-called Dr. Ja, He's now the COVID guy. He's a great example of this. And by the way, this week we'll be talking about the $250
1: million your money paid to have entertainment shows scare people about the COVID flu. $250 million. See, I told you. Remember I've been saying sue big media for conning people into taking these injections? Tom Fitton has the proof. I told you they were taking money to promote this. I told you the government was doing this. I told you mockingbirds were paid to lie about the, the, the COVID flu and the magic mRNA injections. Told you. That was rude. I apologize. That was so rude. Oh, look at me. I'm very special. I told you. God revealed this to us. I apologize. That was Horrible. And I wasn't really speaking to you. I think I was speaking to the people who said, that didn't happen. That's a conspiracy theory. You can't say that on the radio. Oh, apologize. So this question about how can otherwise smart people be so utterly, utterly stupid, Dr. John. I've heard Secretary Cardona say this over and over again. You know, people do talk about going back to normal. And I've heard Mr. Secretary uh, say, you know, normal wasn't working out so well for, for some people. And so the goal in my mind is not to go back to normal. The goal
0: is to build a very different new normal that has equity much more at the heart of it. (laughs) From his post at the CDC, Dr. Jaw is going to go all the
1: way back to history. He's going to go find the first descendants of Adam and Eve. And he's going to go back and he's going to map the
0: family history and he's going to go fine. Okay. One brother killed the other brother. We're going to tax that tribe. Go back and look at the era of Cain and Abel. We'll start the tax there. We'll get everybody to equity. Brilliant. Wise. He's going to look at then the first wars between the tribes of Israel. Uh, That was wrong. We're going to have equity. He'll cast his brilliant, omniscient eye upon North America and determine which of
1: the first peoples, the native tribes, did the most wrong in their keeping of slaves.
0: And then he'll go and say equity. For instance, he'll go to the Arapaho and say, you know that war that you had with the Cheyenne? You cheated. So we're going to go back. He'll go to the Comanche people and say, hey, you guys, you cheated. You
1: ate horses. No, pardon me. You rode horses. Other tribes ate them. So when the Spanish left behind horses and you decided to ride them and turn them into weapons of war, that was unfair because other tribes were simply eating the horses because they didn't get to see the soldiers riding them. They just thought they were food. That's not fair. So we're going to go ahead and address that and we're going to bring it to equity and he's going to measure the amount of efforts that people put into things and he's going to bring it to equity. You put more
0: effort. Oh, wait, we don't do that. Not effort. His myopia, it's the same myopia they all have. He's wise in his own eyes.
1: Proverbs chapter 3, verse 7. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. That's an easy direction to follow. And yet... This week, we've talked about Satan building a political base. (laughs) Do not be wise in your own eyes and shun evil. And yet, Dr. Jaw forced people to get injected and still wants to do that. This is the Todd Herman Show. Please do share the show with friends as you see fit. And please, go be well, be strong, be kind, and let us not be wise in our own eyes.